Hi and welcome to Traveling Inside Out. This is Alina, your host. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon. <laughs> How is everyone? Well, uh, even though nobody's answering, I still like to ask that. Before starting today's episode, I would just like to remind you that you can find my podcast, Traveling Inside Out, on any podcast platform you would uh, want to. And I would really appreciate to get a five-star uh, review or how many stars you want, actually, on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Thank you. So today's episode, I would like to talk or to continue talking about my experience in Iceland. For those who haven't listened to my uh, previous episode about Iceland, I would highly suggest to do that because I'm explaining how I quit my job without even realizing what's going to come my way. And luckily, I've started a volunteering program for eight months, if I remember correctly. So I moved to Iceland in like two weeks term or something like that. And I'm telling all about how I managed to do that, how I got selected, how the interview went. So everything about that you can listen in my previous episode. So today I thought about um, going further into my volunteering experience when in Iceland and kind of tell, like take them one by one. But I need to mention um, that I've actually lived in Iceland for about more or less three years, maybe two years and a half, out of which I've actually returned to Iceland in total two times. So first time I went to Iceland, then I left at some point, and then I came back, and then I left again, and I came back. So right now I'm just going to talk about my first experience. So I'm just going to talk about my first eight months as a volunteer in Iceland. Um, and I do have to mention that the uh, let's say the <laughs> the aftermath. So basically, after I left Iceland and then came back and then leaving again and then coming back, it's a completely different story. But let's just focus on the um, beginning of my life in Iceland. Probably, um, I need to mention the situation as in how I worked towards like what I was working, what, what was my project about, how was the housing and so on. And I think I'm going to start first with the housing, which was uh, provided by the organization um, that I, w I went to be a volunteer for. So basically, the housing was a shared house with um, other people that were either volunteers or um, interns or something like this. And it changed a little bit because in the beginning, I was um, living by myself in the room. But then I had a roommate. So... The house was one of the most beautiful houses that I lived in. It was literally like one minute walk from the shore, from the ocean side, which was mind-blowing to me uh, because I have experienced some of the most beautiful sunsets uh, there. It was um, one floor house, so we had 
basically the ground level and then one floor up. And I lived on the one floor up, so then I had access to a balcony. And also from that balcony, I've seen the most amazing <laughs> northern lights. And as I was saying, sunset. Um, I've even got some tan actually hanging out on the balcony. So it was quite a nice place. However, I do have to mention that when we were at our maximum capacity, which was eight people, it was a bit hard because there were eight people for one bathroom. So that wasn't pretty. And the kitchen was quite small. And unfortunately, when you live with seven other people, I would rather also mention that it was not that clean either. But it was amazing the fact that uh, we didn't pay any kind of rent. That was just um, basically... Uh, coming into the package of being an EVS volunteer. Then um, we also got some pocket money. I'm talking in the last episode about uh, that part. So again, if you're curious, you should just go back and listen to that episode. Um, but I have to say that the money were kind of like a nice amount. But unfortunately, on um, in Iceland, it was barely, like it was almost nothing. <laughs> Um, we also got, um, like the public transportation was for free for us because we got, um, monthly subscription that was actually, uh, paid again by the organization. We also got, um, subscription to the swimming pool because going to the swimming pool and, you know, just relaxing in the hot pots and whatever you want to do in a swimming pool, if you just want to go on the uh, water slide or if you just want to do laps, everything was included. So that was amazing. We had a certain amount of um, entries per month and that was amazing. I do have to be honest and say I didn't take as much as advantage of that as I should have. Um, but I'm going to get into that later on when I'm talking about the changes in my life and in my way of being um, that happened during my stay in Iceland. Uh, okay, and now let's come. So I'm, I'm, I've talked about the housing and I've talked about a little bit about the money. Um, I do have now to mention about the job that I was doing. So even though it was a volunteering program, we would have uh, worked eight hours per day. Um, and it wasn't that they would actually, you know, keep track of it, but we would have to basically um, sign in and sign out. Um, and we would also have to have, like, an, we would read, uh, write in an Excel table when we started working and when we finished. And we've done a lot of stuff, but I'm just going to mention a few, a few of you. So the, the name of the, um, of the task was Green Messenger, which I want to call it in a better way, Sustainability Agent, which we were in charge in basically three main things. One was to create and manage events regarding um, raising awareness basically about sustainability either by you know like 
a lot of events and some of them I just came up with uh, either like learning how to make stuff out of um, like do-it-yourself kind of a thing, like how to make stuff out of your trash um, or uh, projections of uh, documentaries or um, uh, there were so many <laughs> and we had so, so, so many. Um, for example, we also talked about, we had an event that was happening once a week in which it was called uh, sh shop till you drop, drop. I don't remember the name. Oh my God, this is now I'm ashamed. Um, the point was that people would be just be able to bring clothes that they don't need anymore and they can take whatever else they want. So it was kind of like a free market in which no money were exchanged whatsoever. You bring some clothes, you take some clothes, and it was really useful, especially because I was a volunteer that I couldn't afford shit. So most of my clothes back then were from that but also because at the end of the event whatever we had left we were donating to the Red Cross so it was quite a nice event and then the second main thing was to uh, actually try to find solutions like sustainable solutions regarding hostels that we were working for so not only um, like basically uh, trying to make our guests to find sustainable solutions in their travels, but also we had to make sure that the team, um, so basically the people working in the hostel, they would follow the sustainability policy and so on. And then the last one was to actually work on a very important report that was happening once a year in which um, the hostel was applying for a sustainable green eco-label. Um, it's something that is renewed every year, so we would be working on uh, the whole process of gathering all the information in order to make sure that we are um, basically uh, following the rules, <laughs> let's say. <laughs> okay, well, the thing is that working for hostels came with some perks. And the perks made all the difference regarding the way that I managed my budget and so on, because we would be able to take uh, like leftovers from breakfast. We would be able to take some leftovers or, you know, there was like a free food basket uh, that we had in all the hostels. So for example, I've never paid for rice or flour or, D for that matter, so things like this. And I would say that another uh, other perks were that I went in uh, different tours uh, for free, which is amazing. Like being able to go um, snorkeling between the tectonic plates. <laughs> you know how much people pay to do that? <laughs> and I've done it for free, y'all. Um, or I went horse riding, or I actually went um, climbing on a glacier, like climbing, I'm like, like uh, not only hiking on a glacier, climbing an ice wall on a glacier. Do you know, like, can you even imagine, like, can you, like, come on, come on now, come on. 
So there were a lot of perks that I really enjoyed and I loved uh, to have while working for the organization and for three hostels in Reykjavik. Now, when it comes to the expenses, um, I have to say that I'm a little bit of a freak when it comes to being on a budget because I was really marking down everything that I was I was uh, spending so in such a way that I would be like a budget, this is my budget, I should never go beyond this and if I do, then the next month I'm going to um, spend less. So I've managed quite well. I wasn't going out that often I wasn't like I really made sure to just make it work just like that so again the money were not a lot because for example I know for sure that other people who were volunteers before me in the same exact um, job let's say they were in trouble they were always uh, struggling for the money. I didn't. I managed quite uh, okay in such a way that um, somewhere in February, I've managed to actually go um, to put some money aside and to go to Netherlands. That was an amazing thing to do. Um, so my expenses were, again, I really want to stress this and I don't want to just blow my own horn, but I'm really good at budgeting. It was really difficult. Everything was really expensive. And for example, my glasses broke at some point and I had to change them. And the amount that I would get, like the my pocket money that were included in the whole program, were basically only the lenses. So it was probably like 300 something euros, if I remember correctly. Um, around 300, maybe 350 euros. I really don't remember. But only the lenses were 300 euros. And I was like, I can't, huh? <laughs> so fortunately, I did have, um, I did have um, travel insurance uh, that I had to have basically as a volunteer. But the money that they could give me was the same like in any other European country. So I think I paid like half, like I paid one lens with those money that I got back. So <laughs> again, it was really difficult, but I'm a pro, man. So I'm just good at it. I'm just good at it. That's, that's how it is. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about um, the community. What I loved, and it's something that I loved in every single um, opportunity that I had uh, working or traveling, not traveling, working or volunteering abroad was living in an international house because there were people from different other countries. And it's always nice to see when you're like, basically, you just mixed all other um, nationalities coming from different cultures while they have to adjust to a new culture. It's something that I really love because it's, it's really teaching you a lot about yourself, about the culture you're living in, and about other cultures. So because of that, I do have to say that I made some good friends that I'm still in touch with even now. And some of them, I had them as a guest on my show. So that's, that says a lot. Um, because, uh, you know, like four years later, we are still in touch and we still talk and so on. So that's an amazing thing to, to see and to discover. 
But um, I also have to say that it was quite difficult to make friends with um, local people. And it's not like I, I made basically I made friends with local people, but it takes a really long time to basically really have a good connection with uh, them. And it might be also because I don't speak the language. It might also be because they are used that people are just coming and going um, f in their country and from their country. So they don't want to. Uh, you know, get attached to too much because people are just coming and going. Most of the people in Iceland, I don't know how it is now, but at that time there were a lot of people who would just come for a season, make some money and then go and travel or do whatever else um, away from Iceland. And then coming back maybe f for a few more months next year and so on. And I'm, I'm pretty sure there are still people doing that. Hell, I've done that actually in one of my returns. Um, so I've, I have to say that feeling part of a community was a little bit hard because, um, as I was saying, I couldn't quite connect with the local people, like really, really, I don't know, like a really strong connection and really with no, you know, extra or I don't know no differences or like even if there would be differences no extra drama or I don't even know how to explain it but I do have to mention that I felt the most um, at ease with people because it was the first time being in a country in which whatever dreams I had people would be like yeah I can see you doing that yeah I, I think that that's possible and not to bash my own nation, like my own nation and my own friends from back home, but I have to say the majority of times when I had a dream and I would say to someone, they would be like, yeah, you know that that's not possible. And it sucks to say that I've ended up um, keeping my dreams just for myself because I would be scared, basically. You know, you have the, like, a really important thing that you really cherish and you just want to show it to someone else and then they just basically slap you uh, on the hand and then it's just mashed to the ground. So it was the first time when I felt like, oh, like really nobody's judging me. Like what? This is, this is amazing. And I felt like that for almost the entire um, experience that I had as a volunteer in which people would be really trying to help me grow would be really interested in like how can we make you happy like what do you want and those were the moments when I really uh, thought about what do I want yeah I think nowadays we are so used with being told what to do or um, being told what is expected of us, that sometimes we struggle when we are straight up asked, what do you want? We struggle to come up with an answer. And that's what I realized in, um, like, tr you know, living in Iceland for those eight months as a volunteer that, oh, I get to actually think about what I want. And I have to, I, I ha like, I get to actually try to get that thing that I want. It was an, an amazing experience like that. Um, I also have to say that it was, you know, I'm... 
I don't even know how to explain this because it might sound weird um, mentioning the fact that I, I think it was then when I really started to own my mistakes. It wasn't like I was always hiding my mistakes in the, in, um, in the past, before that, but it's something like probably it was the first time when I realized that there's no point of hiding my mistakes because they are at some point still going to rise. And I realized that it's way, way easier to just face them, like mention them, like, okay, I've done this and that's how it is. I'm going to try to fix it now, but yeah, I've done this. Um, again, I don't know exactly where is this coming from, but I'm always scared uh, probably to to be to be blamed, or I used to be scared to be blamed for things, um, but now I'm like, yeah, I've done a mistake. I'm learning from it. I'm. It's gonna help me grow, and that's what a human should do. <laughs> or maybe this is an adult thing that I didn't. <laughs> it took me quite a lot of years to get there. <laughs> I don't know which one is it. <laughs> um, so. Um, outside of that, I also discovered some hobbies because um, it's not that I discovered, but I really got to, to, to use them. I really love to hike. And it was then when I realized that I can hike by myself. I don't necessarily need someone to hike. And I think it's also then when I realized I can do a lot more of things that I want to do by myself. Um, don't get me wrong. I was already doing quite fine by myself because I, I already was traveling by myself for quite a bit and so on. But like going hiking or traveling or hitchhiking by myself and traveling to I don't know where in the country... Um, from one side to another of the country, that's something that I've learned how to do while in Iceland. Uh, going hiking and preparing my stuff to go hiking, like knowing how to, um, you know, what's next to take with me, how to prepare with my shoes, how to, like, you know, how to dress in one million layers because you need that when you live in Iceland, and um, so on. So... Another thing that I have to touch is about uh, being in a relationship. Now, I'm just going to be very honest and say that I didn't feel attracted to Icelandic guys. For some reason, the Viking vibe that they want to send was not calling me at all. Um, so because of that, it was really difficult for me to date. And I haven't actually planned on dating at all. I didn't, like, I knew that some people would meet someone and be like, oh, my God, I'm going to move here now, and la, 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 And I'm like, yeah, I'm not, it's not, first of all, that's not real. This is how I thought. Second of all, what? And third of all, <laughs> are you crazy? <laughs> so, um, of course, it took me by surprise when one of the guys that was a volunteer there started to actually ask me out. And I was like, wait, who, me? Like, from all these people, you're looking my way? Wait, there's, like, literally nobody behind me? You're actually making eye contact with me? What? <laughs> I'm, no, 
not kidding. I was like that. I know it sounds maybe stupid or it sounds like I had no confidence in myself. I'm owning that. I know. But that's how I was at that moment. And also, I saw that guy being so high up. I really thought that he's the hottest, he's the smartest, he's the kindest and funniest and whatever the hell you want, you can imagine, guy ever. So I was like, why? He can have literally anyone. Why would he look like, why would he want me? And as it turns out, the guy, um, he's American, as one can uh, imagine, if you know me <laughs> well. <laughs> you can imagine that he was American. Um, long story short, the relationship didn't work out. It was a very, let's say, volcanic um, relationship. We moved really fast, like, we passed, let's say, some steps in a relationship really fast, um, but it didn't last uh, long. And what I want, what, why I had to mention this is that after, basically, he left me, so he broke up with me. Uh, after he done that, I felt so basically insecure and not knowing who I am and not knowing what the hell is happening and so on. And it was also by the end of the program. And it was also close to me being 30. So like everything hit me at once. Like my boyfriend left me. The program that I was working for was over. Um, the reality that I'm 30 and I need to figure myself out. So everything hit me in like two or three weeks. So <laughs> that's when I decided to join Tinder. <laughs> And for those who are interested in my stories about Tinder, I actually have two different episodes. One in which I'm uh, telling you about Tinder abroad. When I actually... I'm talking about um, my dates in New York City. And then I'm also talking about some crazy Tinder dates. And the majority of them happened when I was in Iceland, if not all of them. So um, that was a new kind of uh, <laughs> experience. But I do have to mention, through all that happened, I still have one friend <laughs> that I'm still in touch with. And he became a really good friend of mine. Uh, and I met him on Tinder. So yes, that's also part of my experience in Iceland. And the last thing that I want to talk about, because, again, I don't want to have a very long episode, is um, this experience, being a volunteer, getting completely outside of my comfort zone, being put in a country that I didn't know much about, um, in a country where I didn't speak the language, but luckily everybody would speak English, actually a better English than I was speaking at the time, um, doing something completely different, um, and... Uh, like managing again my own money, but in a very, like a very on a budget uh, kind of a situation. Everything helped me to discover who I am. Um, and once again, I'm going to say that this, so Iceland is always going to be probably the, the most important chapter of my life because a lot of, um, let's say, a lot of things helped me to realize who I am, helped me to own my mistakes, as I said earlier, helped me to um, 
basically to actually not be scared of, um, you know, basically knowing who I am. Like not only, you know, like, and not being scared of saying it out loud what my principles in life are, are and so on. So, um, of course, it, it taught me a lot about sustainability and about the environment. Of course, it taught me a lot about um, the actual history of the country and, you know, um, the relationship that you can have with other people and um, how you can grow even when you're heartbroken or how you can have your heart broken by friends, not only in a you know romantic relationship and how you can move on from that as well and um so many other stuff but i do want to basically end up um on this note saying that i think it's really important to live outside of your country and I'm saying that because no matter where you go, it doesn't matter if it's, let's say, economically speaking, it's a better country than yours or it's a like worse country than yours. Um, it's going to help you appreciate your homeland in a different way. It's going to appreciate your um, experiences from uh, what you had until that point quite in a like in a in a completely different way is going to help you appreciate what you had and what you didn't have um, in a different way and probably is going to expand your horizons in a way that you can't even imagine you would really have to do it in order to understand what I'm talking about this concludes today's episode thank you for listening and if you want to get in touch with me you can do so by emailing to alinaswonders at gmail.com until next time follow your dreams and stay true to yourself